Blog Talk Radio. Yes, yes, y'all. You're now listening to the sound of the show far blowing. The show far is blown to inspire the people to do their thing. And the show far is blown to coronate a king or a queen. And today the shofar is being blown to call us to journey through our mind, body, and soul. This is Faux Show Holistic Health on Blog Talk Radio, and I'm your host, Shofar, from Faux Show Energy Work. And today my guest is, uh, I'm honored and is a good friend of mine, and I'm very honored and thankful to have such a good friend. Uh, the gentleman that we're going to be talking to today is Chad McKinney. Uh, and to give you a, a story about Chad, uh, so in my growth, in my, in my journey, uh, when I first came to San Diego from Virginia, went cross country and came over here, and I don't share this all, uh, uh, often, but I am going to uh, share this today because it reflects uh, the type of man uh, that Chad is. So for the first year that I was here in San Diego, I lived in my car. And uh, I lived in my car, and a situation ended up happening where my car got towed. I had just met Chad maybe, I don't know, a month or so uh, after this incident happened and everything. And I reached out to him in desperation, kind of like, you know, it never really dawned on me or the idea of going back to Virginia where I came from never happened in my mind, by the way. So it was kind of like I was here and I felt aligned like to keep moving forward with the energy work and stuff that I do. And uh, so it never occurred to me, hey, man, you could just go back to Virginia. So I reached out to, to the brother and right away he offered, hey, man, you can stay here, uh, sleep on the couch. And, um, and he also helped me out to get my car back. And that was with barely knowing me. And that's how good-hearted and a good person that Chad is. Then another thing that happened, when I got there and I had one of those moments to make you kind of rethink reality because, you know, my brother is definitely, you know, we're from the same mother, mother heart, mother earth, uh, but uh, definitely um, when I got there and I saw, you know, here's this, this blonde-haired brother, you know, and he's got a surfboard, and right to, next to the surfboard is a, is a picture of Malcolm X, a poster of Malcolm X. I was like, what, what the, f- wait, wait a minute, what's going on here? <laughs> so needless to say, that's been uh, my, my friendship uh, with this brother and the honing of, uh, you know, the sharpening, iron the iron and everything. Uh, that's been the journey, uh, how we both have sharpened each other's consciousness and everything. Um, he'll tell you that it's a different setup than that, but we're definitely – uh, you know, as contemporaries and been sharpening each other's, you know, iron and, and making ourselves into, you know, better uh, human beings because of our interactions and everything. So he's also a sensual energy healer. He's an author, and we're going to be talking about his new book, uh, Heaven for an Atheist. And uh, he's also an inventor. So I'm going to go ahead and bring the brother on. Chad, what's going on with you, bro? Peace, Ock. How you doing, man? I appreciate the introduction. And like you said, man, iron sharpens iron all day, man. So. Thank you for that. <laughs> for, <laughs> sure, <bro>. <laughs> for sure, man. No, no question, man. That's that's been the journey, man. And 
And uh, it's been happening from day one when we uh, ran into each other, I think, at the mall downtown in San Diego. I remember that. I remember that. I mean, we walked around for like 30 minutes kicking Ryan's hand. <laughs> Just meeting each other. Right. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> totally, bro. Yep, exactly. We were definitely like, you know, I got one. I got one. Yep. I totally remember. That was that was cool, man. Uh, so, yeah, man. Oh, I'm, 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 yeah, bro. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, with, with all the things that have, you know, um, uh, happened and been happening and everything, it's just, it's cool to see someone else, man. Like I, I said in the beginning, family, that, you know, Chad is a uh, central energy healer. And the thing is, is, thing is with that is that basically through conversations, like one of the three masters that I learned from, his technique is more like to just talk and share and everything. And that's more or less what happened with uh, Chad. There was never any formal training and because he didn't need that and so uh quite a powerful you know individual bro thank you for that yeah I'll, i always tell people like you know through our conversations you pointed the finger to the door but i had to walk through man <laughs> for sure <laughs> <And> I appreciate that i think that's the best best way to model it man and, and everything man so you know the 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 podcast man uh i i know there's a lot of you know stuff we could talk about and everything but the main focus of this one i want to you know highlight your book you know uh heaven for an atheist and so first off and going into that for the family out there that's listening now and also um through time and space in the the future now um uh what does even just the title mean can you break that down for us some you know, um, yeah, thanks. Like, you know, like really heaven is right now. You know, it, it's not some far off place, a different, different, um, it, it doesn't need to be accessed through religion. I really like, you know, like it's right here for us right now. It's just mere tuning into it. And I, I actually, I had that title for the book, even before I wrote the book, I knew that book was supposed to be called that. And just based on my own journey of, you know, confirmed Catholic, things happened in my life. And then I had a lot of anger um, towards God and I confused God and religion, which I just, it was a huge mistake. And so, you know, really when I was, I, what I was really opposing on some ways, and I, I'm not saying that now, but at that time, my spiritual development was more of like religion, especially through like indoctrination and things of that nature. And then just finding that, like, God is, even to say God is selling it short, you know, it's beyond labels, mm-hmm. beyond name, beyond time, beyond place and space. I just wanted it to communicate. And I, I don't know, I hope the message came through uh, with it, because I'm sure it may be a little provocative of a title for some, but that heaven and God is available to all of us right now, regardless of what we call ourselves. I love it. I love it, and I think it's one of those titles to me, bro, that just is a a striking thought of sorts. It's something that just in the name of it, it it causes that that cognitive dissonance that I talked about, like seeing the surfboard next to Malcolm. (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) it's like, wait, heaven for an atheist? Wait, like what? And I think it's it's (laughs) to to grab people's attention like that, you know? Thank you for that. Yeah, I I enjoy enjoy watching a couple of head shakes once in a while, you know, on other double takes. On it for sure. Yeah, no, I, I think shaking uh, the tree. Bro, it, 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 and shaking the tree, man, because in this world, 
we, we, we have patterns of thoughts and ways of just keep thinking in the same pattern. So I think heaven for an atheist, just even in the name, uh, it, it, it causes a rewiring of sorts, which is good for us, in my opinion. Mm, um, thank you. Yo, no question, bro. Uh, God as a verb, you know that, you know, so I'm just going to mm. go through like, I mean, there's so many gems and your book, to, in my opinion, is one of those ones that I, I, I wanted to just fly through it so I could just tell you, bro, I'm done with your book, but it does, it's not that type of book in my <laughs> opinion. It, it's, um, it, I, you need to sit with some of the things because, you know, you have, you have wisdom and, and anytime someone is bringing wisdom, I feel like what you're, like what you're doing, you need to sit in, in my opinion, chew on it for a minute and, and digest and marinate it in a little bit. So what do you mean by God is a verb? Thank you for that. Um, you know, well, I, I really like, want to take away the idea of like, you know, a lot, so often I, I feel like we've been conditioned to believe God is a noun, you know, some separate entity that is existing outside of now. And um, really like God being a verb is like life flows. Life has an ebb, life has a flow to it. And it's just, um, it's always now. And so it's always moving. And um, I know I had used the example for mind is um, thinking of mind as a verb as well, based on Osho speaking on that and comparing it to walking. But mm. in terms of God being a verb, it's really a movement. It's a now, it's a constant oneness. It, definitely not something that, like when I, I feel like when we say noun, it, it can be objectified and then this viewed as separate of us versus God is, you know, we're extensions and expressions of God. And we are moving right now. Life is constantly flowing. I love it. I, I, I love it. I, I like to say that, uh, you know, like how I say that, you know, I learned from three masters and everything. But the truth be told, you know, and, and you're very good at this. I've seen how you interact and what you reflect back to, that they are their own God or they're, they're their own master. So I like to say, like, instead of saying a ma- that, that, you know, calling myself a master or rather, rather saying that we are mastering. Yeah, like, so exactly what you're saying, man. I, I love that, and I love that you're pointing that out. Uh, uh, it definitely, again, is another one of those type of things that if a person just sits and, and meditates on that and really get it into our body, you, you have some, you know, it, it can create some, some real breakthroughs. Uh, entering into a state of tangible prayer, what's that, what's that line about? You know, that's really very similar to God being a verb, um, tangible prayer. And I just had a message come through yesterday, funny enough on that, of we, if we are being, we are praying. Meaning like we can only be praying if we're being. And when I say being, I mean fully present, fully authentic, fully um, open and Mm. surrendered to the now, to to the moment right now. And I uh, basically everything can be felt as a prayer. Uh, I mean, everything from, I mean, looking at, looking at the hue on a tree leaf to like the hummingbird that flies in front of you to the feet touching the ground and that feeling and all of that's prayer, all of that's connection and devotion and gratitude and appreciation for the divine oneness. That makes sense. And I, I know you have another place in your book where you talk about life as a constant prayer. So that's, that's going along with that, that if we're in a state of being, um, if we're in a state of, you know, uh, 
being God as a verb, then then life is a constant prayer. I love that. I say uh, I had heard you mention something uh, along the lines uh, in your interview with um, Carrie recently about breathing. And so when I say being even, uh, just for the listeners here, it's like we don't have to do anything special. We just, when I say being, I mean we're just literally being, you know, and if that means we're just breathing, then that's plenty. That's enough. Uh, it's literally, ultimately we're being breathed, you know, it's, but it's just breathing and just letting that, letting that flow through so naturally, letting that force, not with some type of future payoff or anything else. Very powerful. Uh, there's another one you have in there. Uh, do we need to die in order to live? That one struck some, some deep chords in myself. I'd love to hear, hear your, your feelings and thoughts on it. Thank you on that. Uh, you know, it, um, it really, and I think I touched on this in the book too a bit, like um, sometimes it takes death to appreciate life, which is a bit unfortunate. And, you know, like I feel, it, man, that thing is so layered on that too, you know, because on one level, every moment we're dying of being born again. And then on the same time, though, like, to really truly live and be fully present, there is that part of us that dies, uh, although it's illusory, and that's the identification with the ego and the mind. And so there is some essence to, you know, there is some type of a need of a death or an acceptance on some levels, at least for me and my experience, to really truly live. Because otherwise, if we're identified with the mind, we're never really alive. We're either revisiting the past or we're um, scheming on the future. <laughs> However, it could be taken, yeah. hoping for the future. <laughs> I, like, I like the way you put it, scheming on the future. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it, it feels like there's definitely um, so much so much growth can come through death if we allow ourselves to not be so attached to um so many illusions we've identified for being ourselves, labels, names, mm-hmm. skin color, background, ancestry, um, religions, nationalities, all kinds of stuff. And so for some people to let go of some things, it's like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm done. All right. That's it. And then for other things be like, no, 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 that is me. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, wait, mm-hmm. but, but really it's, it's a complete letting go. And, I know Osho has the meditation. Um, I forget the exact term he used from a Tibetan meditation, but it was um, not that, not that. So as we keep witnessing deeper mm-hmm. into ourselves and whatever, mm-hmm. if any thought comes up, that's not it. And then any other thought comes up, that's not it either. And every single mm-hmm. word we've ever known or spoken or anything ultimately is only a thought. Well, right. Not that, not that. Not here, nor there, not anywhere. <laughs> Dr. Susan. <laughs> Dr. Susan, what y'all know out there, family, about Dr. Susan, how deep Dr. Seuss was, man, you know? <laughs> oh, man, he was on it. I do not want that envious ego in him. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Shit, oh, that's what's up. Uh, so, you know, a lot of what I, 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 I'm, I'm picking up from our conversation, Chad, and then also uh, from your book, 
is about consciousness. And uh, I know you talk about in, in, in your book about the, the iceberg in the ocean. Um, can, you, can you explain that analogy and everything to the family? Yeah. I, so a lot of time, because consciousness is so vast. And especially I've been in the field of psychology for so long. The more I learn, the more it's just incredible how interwoven everything is. And so a lot of times we look at the tip of the iceberg and we're like, that's a giant iceberg. You know, you might see the head or whatever. And oftentimes that's what we identify as ourselves, the ego or whatever, um, whatever we, you know, view as ourselves. That's the tip of the iceberg sticking just above the ocean where we can see it and everybody else can see it too. And, you know, wow, that's a big iceberg. <laughs> but like, then you go underneath yeah. the ocean and there's this mountain of an iceberg underneath it that, you know, dwarfs, you know, all we're seeing is just the peak sticking up. And so mm-hmm. underneath the ocean and the rest of that iceberg is the unconscious, so to speak, that which we need to bring light to. And I, uh, things that have just been passed down or in the collective or whatever, but it's that unconscious out there. And then we have the ocean plus the iceberg, the peak and the, the whole of it sticking underneath. And that being the entirety of basically existence in that super consciousness. And so I uh, talking on, I, I had presented that analogy really just to bring forth, like, um, just give a certain picture about like what we have access and availability to. And that's why I had mentioned, um, Edgar Casey in the book, I uh, dubbed as the sleeping prophet, uh, out of, uh, Virginia mm-hmm. we, near, for yourself out of Richmond, if I'm not mistaken, but, um, he, uh, out of VA. Yeah. <laughs> and he, uh, he had, he had just, I mean, I forget how many readings it was that he did where, uh, they he got himself into the hypnotic state and then um, someone would ask him a question once he was in a hypnotic state, and then it was recorded. Everything was uh, recorded down and put into the records, and the information that he would pull from was stuff that he would not have access to in his normal state as that tip of the iceberg. He had, like a, I believe, a ninth-grade education, dropped out after ninth grade, and uh, stuff that he would say, especially like when it was related to medical diagnoses, would be only privy to somebody who had like a, a specialty in that, in that field it, for, I mean, just like even the words coming out of them and the descriptions. And the nice thing about uh, Edgar Casey was everything being um, written down, you know, we still have a record of it. And so then they had a record back at that time. So they could go back and check it against, um, they'd ask medical professionals, do you think this is the case or that? Because so many healings resulted from his readings. I mean, everything from, people being able to see again, cancers being cured. And um, I mean, really, you name it. And I mean, and he was able to access a part of consciousness that was able to communicate a method of healing if the person was willing and open to and accepting it. And so that he was just one example. I mean, everything from um, people with multiple personality disorders and dissociative identity disorders, what they call it nowadays, um, under the dsm four in psychology, the diagnostics mm-hmm. manual. Um, mm. I think it might be in even DSM-5 now. But um, where people with that disorder are accessing parts of consciousness and even able to change their eye color 
I, hmm. which is, I mean, that's just, I mean, next level right there to be like, oh, yeah, that person's <laughs> acting. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> the part chameleon right. too, huh? <laughs> right. Right. But right, exactly. It's, yeah, it's so incredible, that consciousness, man. And I know that's really um, what really started opening up my eyes to God. I, I believe I had read a book, um, something, funny enough, something on death. I, up until then, I was devout atheist for seven years, and I'd read this book, and it, it didn't make me be like, oh, there's God now at that time, but it, it made me think like, oh, there's a possibility of God now, because before I was mm-hmm. deaf, dumb, and blind, you know, you, you could tell me anything, and I, I'd mm-hmm. had three arguments waiting, waiting in the holster ready to go, and so then when um, it opened my mind to like, oh, well, I can't deny it. I'm not saying they exist, but I can't deny it now. And then all of a sudden, as soon as I was open, I mean, everything started coming into my life that was just like God speaking mm-hmm. to me. And it eventually it became so loud where it was just like in so clear as day where I was like, there's no denying. God is God. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's what it is. I love that. I love that. I know I love uh, everything you're talking about with the uh, disassociative, you know, identity uh, disorder, quote unquote disorder. Um, you know, yeah. uh, you know, and I, I read in your book about the accidental savants. Yeah, man, I, I think one of the things to me about I think that we're atheists, not because um, we don't believe in God, but sometimes because we do, because we, we believe. In wow. This, <laughs> yeah, because we believe in this God outside of ourselves rather than understanding the things you said, like someone, uh, because of maybe a trauma or something else, though, but whatever is going on, if this motherfucker changed their eye color, or yeah. if you, I've heard, uh, Chad, that you have that with um, some multiples or, you know, some people who have uh, this, this quote-unquote disorder, they can change, like, you can have them on the operation, operating table, and you have to be careful how much anesthesia you give them because if they switch from one alter, they call it alters, I think, in some instances, they change from one personality, personality or alter, uh, and it goes to a younger personality or alter, you can overdose the person. Or I forgot. People I that drink. Incredible. Yeah, one personality will drink and get drunk and then switch, and then they're not drunk anymore. Like, same body. <laughs> right, right. It, some have diabetes, some don't. Some have different EEGs, some have different heartbeats, pulses. It's, I mean, it's just like, I mean, right there says enough about it. To, there's enough evidence there to where it at least warrants like research and being like, okay, there's something more than what we're being told. There's something more than what meets the eye, for sure. And same with like um, people with um, diagnosed with, uh, not like diagnosed with anybody, but you know those terms or anything. But someone in the Western culture diagnosed with schizophrenia, and I mentioned that in the book as well, you know, like, if they were nurtured and if that gift was nurtured in a different culture, like, they would have been considered a medium or a seer or a shaman, and people would be going to them for advice, and they'd be, re- they'd be revered. And then instead, you know, like, they're told, and I've seen this, actually, uh, I had a friend a while back with a little daughter, because I personally feel like all of us are born with that inside of us. And it's just a matter of nurturing those gifts. And, you know, a lot have natural inclinations and stuff towards things. You know, some are born better at art than others or music or anything. 
by or, or athletics or anything, but like at the same time, I feel all of us have a natural inclination towards an expanded consciousness and seeing things. And for example, that um, friend's daughter, who I we were standing outside one time, and there was some friends, uh, some people over near the street corner, and she looked over and she's like, "Mommy, I can see some bad spirits hanging over their heads over there." And um, if you knew if you knew them, like based on their past and stuff, there probably were those spirits hanging around. And it, I'll love those just past and past. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, not, no judgment there. But then the, the friend's mom was like, no, you don't. You don't see that. Don't ever say again. That's bad. You're crazy. Don't, people think you're crazy. Don't ever say that again. And so and mm-hmm. she was like probably, probably three or probably like three-ish, I guess, at the time. Um, and I, I never heard her mention another word about something like that again. Mm. Wow. Wow. Yeah, this is... These are some of the the ways, subtle and not so subtle in this case, uh, that we we shut down those gifts and everything. And it's it's very timely uh, because I, I just did an interview with you know Yao Yao Morris. For those of you, you can check that uh, that podcast out as well. And he talked about the same exact thing: how because we lack rites of passage and not understanding these different things, uh, those abilities and stuff that would come online in our teenage and adolescent years. Uh, they're actually, you know, pushed into more dormancy, unfortunately. Uh, wow, that's deep. Um, you know, another thing that you talked about in there, Chad, that I wanted to brush on, uh, uh, you know, touch on based on the, where we're at now in the conversation is the non-localization you know, localization of consciousness. Because I feel like mm-hmm. since we already, have, we already have touched on some things that have blown the family's mom, we might as well just go ahead and finish them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get over here so um yeah. <laughs> go ahead and put your code in bro and and what what are you talking about with the non-localization of consciousness oh man i was gonna do the up down up down thing left right yeah i for the non-localization i i found the consciousness is everywhere and kind of like how God is everywhere. And, you know, like, um, same with like, man, there's so much to touch on with that too. And try to keep it down because I know we're, uh, on a time crunch for the interview here, but, um, you know, the, like everything being a hologram exactly too. And, you know, every part of ourselves exists on every other part of ourselves. And so, um, what I thought was fascinating about the non-localization of consciousness was, uh, regarding like organ transfers and things like that, where somebody would be um, going into a hospital, say they need a new liver uh, for whatever reason, they uh, they go in there, they have no artistic ability whatsoever. And I'm just using art as an example. It could be anything, uh, anything for uh, proclivity. And they have no art whatsoever, for example. They get this new liver. Uh, the person they got a liver from was a phenomenal artist. Also, they get this liver, they're in recovery, they're doing, they have art therapy in, in the hospital, and they're painting, and I use the expression, I think they're um, painting, their paintings are, would make Picasso question his career choice. Like, huh. they're, they're, just, <laughs> they're phenomenal. And, like, before, like, and they'd have before and after pictures of that, where, like, before they are just doing some art stuff, and, I mean, it's like, you know, if I did it left-handed, blindfolded, 
<laughs> you know, like it's, you know, or like a little kid, a little kid did it, you know, or a monkey with a bottle of Jack. Like it'd, be, it'd probably be coming out <laughs> close to the same. <laughs> mm. And, mm-hmm. and so, it's just so fascinating that like um, the non-localization of consciousness, and then the whole you know Akashic records where Edgar Casey was pulling from, and so many other people who are you know mediums or seers and shamans, and it's it's just phenomenal because I feel like you know based on my personal experience growing up you know through the public school system and things like that you know we're taught that consciousness exists in the brain and we only exist because the brain exists and things of that nature but then when you see these different you know organs having their own consciousness and life you know like it it really and I know you've uh, spoke about before in, in Chinese medicine and even being associated with different emotions, you know, like the liver being anger, for example. Uh, and so it's really just something to really get us outside of our shells and realize that not only is life more than we have been conditioned to believe, but we are more than we've been conditioned to believe. We just have to access it and surrender to what we thought we knew about ourselves and life. Mm. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, family. Um, <laughs> go ahead and, and, and puff, puff pass on that one. You know what I'm saying? Uh, definitely some, some wisdom and gems there to, to really take in. And again, the vastness that, that, that we're, that, that you're not just the tip of the iceberg and you're not even the mountain of the iceberg underneath, but, but you're also the ocean and the air, like you're, that you're all of that. That's how vast you are. And I, I know, um, time goes by fast. Uh, with these types of conversations. Uh, so we're already at time, but we're going to extend this a little bit because in the vein of I, I like to tantalize people a little bit and, and kind of tease at a little bit and, and flirt with them a little bit on some stuff. And I feel like this is the perfect place for us to segue just a little bit into, you know, the sacred sensuality or, again, you, you talking about um, that we are more than what we realize that we are. So with you being a sensual energy healer and, and, a, and, a, and, and powerful in that regards, I would love to, as we get ready to close out, just kind of bring that into the conversation just a little, just to give people a little taste. So as it regards to our sexuality and our sensuality, how are we more than what we know we are when it comes to that? Thank you. Uh, man, that's talk about an indoctrination process from the get-go and shutting it down. Um, I mean, really, ultimately, we're, we're orgasmic by nature, and it's just getting out of our heads, getting back into our bodies, and um, it really, I mean, talk about, like, things uh, from my own experience with uh, doing this work. Consciousness has been, I, I've been guided in certain ways and shown different pictures, and one thing I always want to drive home is this is something that's available to all of us. We just have to do our own work to get there but I really truly feel all of us are capable of doing this um, one for ourselves or two for each other. It's just really getting out of our own way and letting it flow and doing it without agenda basically. And it'll guide us how we're supposed to be guided. Um, There's a divine intelligence moving us through this. Mm. And um, I've in that work um, really be comfortable enough to breathe with ourselves and as I've done that work, I mean, I've seen things where 
in terms of like uh, the example I use in the book was uh, doing a session with this lady and uh, messages will come through sometimes and pictures will happen sometimes. And during this one session, I saw a picture of a old school car, like a, a little older boxy car. And um, usually if a message comes through during the session, uh, whatever is supposed to be said will be said. But I didn't, I didn't share whatever it was at that moment. Um, and then later on, it just was really like, uh, I mean, it was just really hidden at me where I was like, um, I had to hit her up. And I was like, hey, does an old white boxy car, like from the 80s or 90s, me and she sent me a list of cars she, that were, she'd driven. I Googled the first one. It was the car I saw. Like when I saw it, it was facing right. When I Googled it, it was facing left, but otherwise identical car. I took the picture, sent it to her, and she's like, oh, my God, that's the car I used to – that used to be my parents' car. I used to steal that. We used to go down to TJ, and, oh, I should have died so many times in that. Oh, the things I used to do in that car. And when I saw the car uh, during the session, mm. it was located at her, at her throat chakra, which is reflective mm. of speaking our truth. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's so amazing with like the sexual energy, how it, I mean, it can, you know, it, it's creative energy, it's healing energy, it's, it's pleasurable energy. And so much happens is we start tapping into it and we can do this through the energy sessions or conscious lovemaking as well with ourselves or our partner. And I've seen where like during a session, like a, a woman can go from, like really making no noise at all to like crying and sobbing. Like you wouldn't believe it or you would, cause you know, you're, you're in this work, you know, for sure. You, you know, but like, <laughs> you know, like I mean, crying and sobbing, like unbelievably. And then going to like a silence and peace, uh, maybe falling asleep and then going into like just orgasmic waves and literally having thousands of orgasms on the table. And, I mean, you know, every eighth of a second is Nityama speaks on and uh, Sasha Cobra speaks on. And just like, it's literally like a wave. And it's just constantly going and um, it, it moves where it's supposed to move and it heals where it's supposed to move. And the breakthroughs have been pretty incredible. Uh, I've seen um, a lady have uh, scar tissue in her uterus healed and they were supposed to operate on it. And after the session, I, it was completely gone. And interesting, sometimes people will tell me what's going on with themselves, what they'd like to work on before the session. She never made a single mention of um, that before the session, which I thought was interesting. Uh, it just, you know, God knows where it's supposed to go, and it, 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 it moved and healed. Um, it's pretty incredible, though. It's an honor to be, to be a vessel for the sacred work, for sure. Mm. Wow. So I, I did that purposely, family, again, for y'all listening right now with us and those of you uh, in the future now. Uh, I, I purposely asked that last question just to, 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 to hint at a little something there for you all uh, and uh, intrigue you a little bit, perhaps. Um, powerful, very powerful. Uh, well, we're definitely at you know at time now, and so what I want to definitely do, Chad, is is give you uh, the the place and space to let the family out there know, uh, you know, mo- you know, of course about the book, but where they can get it, and then also 
any other things that you have going on that you want the family to know about? And then if you have one last gem that you want to leave us with, go ahead and go ahead and take us home. Thank you. Thank you. I, um, well, they can, uh, the book heaven for an atheist is available, uh, on Amazon is a, uh, paperback and ebook. It'll be available as an audio book, um, relatively soon. Uh, they can also go on my website, one love holistic health.com. Uh, and, uh, they can go there and check it out. Uh, I do, like you said, um, I do essential energy body work. I also uh, looking into um, expanding uh, some speaking engagements more. And um, by the end of the year, uh, I would like to also be um, starting to partner up with organizations and also working to get uh, a push for meditation in the school system and starting a little early on. With, uh, with our youth, I, I feel that's going to be a powerful um, help for people, and I think it's going to have a lot of uh, ripples in our consciousness with, by doing that. Other than that, in terms of uh, final thoughts, um, like we spoke on before, too, is really, you know, find your own truth and really just breathe and enjoy life. And the more we can practice appreciation, I, the more we have to be appreciative of. And if we can fluctuate, and you spoke on this and taught me this as well, you know, if we can fluctuate between peace and appreciation, you know, anger and whatever else comes up in life comes up in life. But, you know, quicker we can get back to peace, the sooner we can get back to gratitude. And the more often we can do that throughout the day, the more we hone and tone and focus our vibration and our frequency and the more joyful our life is all around. Amen. Aho. Ashe. For sure. All right, y'all. Well, definitely, uh, you know, Chad, definitely, man, I appreciate you, uh, again, as a friend, and uh, also, man, is what you're doing out here in consciousness, especially in these times, you know, is much needed, you know, like you're saying, bringing the meditation to the schools and you know, the book, all of this is, 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 is very timely. It, it, it's the moment for people like ourselves to stand up and to, to help out. And so definitely, you know, just appreciate who you are, man. Thank you. I appreciate you too. Like it's, the work you're doing is absolutely needed on this planet. And I can promise you and all the listeners, I, you know, I'm grateful for God, family, friends, everything, but I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for you in my life as well, too, man. So appreciate you, too. I received that, bro. Thank you. Um, well, definitely, bro, peace to you, man. And to all you family out there listening um, through time and space, uh, we love and appreciate you all as well. Uh, you know, I know that this can be helpful to you, so take the time to really, you know, listen to what the brother was saying. And, again, this is Full Show Holistic Health on Blog Talk Radio. And I'm your host, Shofar, from Full Show Energy Work. Uh, keep that SEX in your life. Keep shining. Keep evolving. And do so exponentially. Peace.